This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Darkside Tours. Are you interested in the uncut, uncensored truth about Hollywood's dark side? This is the stuff TV networks just don't have the guts to show. Darkside Tours. It will be the most frightening experience of your life. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's St. Patrick's Week, I guess. On Pod Cemetery with 1994's Leprechaun 2 and 2015's Muck. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. What is the name, and I will only accept the full name. Okay. Of Sigourney Weaver's character in Alien. Ellen Ripley. Very good. Boom. Kelsey. Yeah. In our first movie today, the leprechaun refers to himself as the genius of what Irish town? Killarney. That's right! You thought you could outspot me, the genius of Killarney! We've been there. We have (laughs) been there. We went there just, uh, what? Two years ago? Two years ago now? Yeah, something like that. All right, Kelsey, that leads us... Beautifully into our first film, 1994's Leprechaun 2, written by Turi Meyer and Alfredo Septien, based on characters by Mark Jones, directed by Rodman Flender, which is one of the greatest names we've seen on this show, and starring Warwick Davis, Charlie Heath, Siobhan Durkin, and Sandy Barron. What is Leprechaun 2 about? Apparently, on a leprechaun's thousandth birthday, they get to claim a bride. And he tries to claim a bride, I don't know, a thousand years ago, I guess. And yeah, 994 AD, I guess. Uh, but he's unable to. So a thousand years later, he tries to take that woman's whatever granddaughter. Yeah, great, 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 great granddaughter, <laughs> however many times. Yes. Now, the movie is free on Cinemax and Epics if you're a subscriber of either of those services, but it is $4 to rent and $5 to buy on iTunes. They also have an eight-film complete set. Which we should have just bought. For $25. No, because we already owned the first one based on the prices of all the films. If we watched all the movies, we would have gotten the eighth one for free. But the eighth one is like $4. So, like... (laughs) We'll see if we get that far. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) And then if I'm wrong, we lose like four bucks. So no. (laughs) Okay. I think over time, giving Apple a multi-year loan of $4 is worth more than just (laughs) waiting. All right. Kelsey. Yeah. Should people watch Leprechaun 2? Absolutely not. It's so unnecessary. It is such a pointless movie. We 
had fun with the first Leprechaun movie. Did we? Yeah. I remember hating it. You gave it a 23. Yeah. And I gave it a 40. (laughs) So they weren't good scores. (laughs) I will tell you right now, this one won't get even that much. (laughs) (laughs) That's how just soulless this one was. It really is. It's literally just... We want to make some money, but I can't even imagine that this made them that much money. We will talk about money because money plays a big part, apparently, in the fact that this movie even got made. Well, and now there are eight of them. The last one that got put into theaters aren't all the other ones straight to video. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So fun. Don't watch it. Just listen to us talk about it. And as a little bit of trivia, since it is St. Patrick's Day week. This is the only movie that actually takes place, the only Leprechaun movie in the franchise that actually takes place on St. Patrick's Day, because that is the Leprechaun's birthday, and it's the only movie that revolves around his birthday. Even though 2,000 (laughs) years ago, I'm pretty sure they weren't celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure St. Patrick was Catholic, (sighs) and therefore after Christ was born, and... And definitely and, after people believed in leprechauns. So. Right, well, but I mean, the leprechaun apparently was born in 6 BC before Jesus was ever born. Which is hilarious because he doesn't look anything like leprechauns are supposed to look in their actual yes, history. We've talked about that in other St. Patrick's Day episodes. Go back and listen to all of them <laughs> about what leprechauns actually look like. Did you know that leprechauns really wore red? Mm-hmm. If you even believe they existed. Yeah. Like, but green wasn't a thing until modern times. Yeah. And that's all America, by yeah. the way, just so you <laughs> just know. Just totally co-opting. And then <laughs> when we were in Ireland and we went to the Leprechaun Museum, there's all this, like, leprechaun paraphernalia there, and it's all based in green. <laughs> and it's just, well, they that's what leprechauns are now. So they just, you know, bit down hard and decided to make all of their leprechaun stuff green. Hey, we can make some money. Yeah. (laughs) America's an asshole. (laughs) That leprechaun museum was very quaint and adorable, and I liked it. it. Yeah. You could take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1994's Leprechaun 2. True love can be hard to find. For him, it took a thousand years. God bless you. And now that he's finally found her... He's going to love her. I'm back. To death. <laughs> Leprechaun 2. Kiss me. I'm Irish. Read it R. Starts Friday, April 8th. Kelsey, can you tell us how Leprechaun 2 begins? Well, it begins in Ireland. Apparently in Once upon 994. A time, <laughs> during a lightning storm. A man is running through the woods, and suddenly a collar is thrown around his neck because the leprechaun is running after him, and he explains, it is St. Patrick's Day, my thousandth birthday, I get to claim a bride. Don't you know what day it is? It's the 17th of March, the Feast of St. Patrick. And your birthday. Ah, tis a special birthday for a leprechaun. I'm 1,000 years old. Tonight... I can claim me bride. And the dude's like, who would want to marry a creature like you? So apparently he stole the leprechaun's gold. Now, these movies... They're really all over the place with the lore? Yeah, they're all over the place with the lore because 
in the first one, you got nothing from stealing it. It just meant that he was going to go on a killing rampage. Right, to get it back, yeah. Like, you don't get wishes. You don't... The the leprechaun doesn't belong to you. He's not your slave. None of that well, shit the, the happens. Wish, the wish thing later, I think, is just what's his face getting it wrong. Okay. And the leprechaun fucks with him as a result. Right. So I honestly think the movie is saying that nothing will happen. You just get gold and you get a leprechaun that's going to kill you. You know what this movie totally forgot? That if you just throw shoes everywhere, he'll have to stop and clean them. Yes, they <laughs> forgot all about that. The shoes are felty. The leprechaun says, now that I've got a collar around you, you are officially my slave for eternity. Apparently. Unless you, I'll There's let you. unless? No, yeah. I'll let you go. All right. If you help me capture my bride. The guy's like, okay, I'll do anything. And the leprechaun explains, although Chris did not hear this. I did not hear it at all. <laughs> the leprechaun explains, I'm going to make the girl sneeze three times. She sneezes once, she sneezes twice, she'll be my bride when she sneezes thrice. But only if no one says God bless you. And what evil trick will you use to woo her? It's simple. She sneezes once, she sneezes twice, she'll be my bride when she sneezes thrice. Ah, and if no one saves a soul by speaking, God bless you, the fair maiden is mine forever. Yeah, I didn't catch that part at all. They say it once, and it becomes a core part <laughs> of the movie, and they just drop it, and I didn't even hear it. We I rewinded it. part of this, and it wasn't in that. Anyway, can I just stop here for a second and say, can we just marvel at the stubble on William O'Day? And how it's just, it's totally fake stubble no, that they put on him. I did not it's notice. It's really bad. It's like someone glued pubes on his face. It's so bad. <laughs> Why would they do that? I don't know. I guess to make him look haggard. I didn't notice it. It's pretty bad. So the guy says, okay, I will kill anyone who tries to say God bless you to this girl. Well, that's before he realizes that the leprechaun has chosen his daughter. Yes. And so the guy decides to say fuck it, and on her third sneeze, he finally says, God bless you. God bless you, my child. He runs away, and the leprechaun, instead of keeping him as a slave, which he could have done, he just decides to kill him. He does both. We find out. What do you mean? That skeleton in his cave is the skeleton of William O'Day, who is still possessed to be the leprechaun's slave. Oh. And he explains that you've done nothing because in a thousand years, I'll just claim her fairest offspring. A curse be placed upon your seed, William O'Day. You may have saved your daughter, but on me next thousandth birthday, I'll stalk your fairest offspring and claim her as me bride. <laughs> and then he laughs and says, Happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> so the credits are over. A long list of all of the girls that have been born from this family line. Here's a question. Now that the dude's dead, why not just go back to her and make her sneeze again? The lore is really loose here. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, the guy who, the only person around who could have said God bless you is now dead. Just start over from scratch. I don't think he can. Now that she's been blessed. So why not the fact that she's been blessed any time in her life? Why doesn't that 
It needs to be in that time period. <laughs> What's the time period and who sets it? Is On there his a thousandth birthday? Is there a spirit standing there with a stopwatch? Okay, now you can try again. <laughs> like, yes. what's the deal? Anyway, he gets one try. I think is what it is. Yeah, every thousand years. That would make more sense. He can try once. I think that's probably okay. what it is. And then cut to 1994. Yep. Where a guy does a dark side tour, and he this this whole sequence really bothered me because he his whole thing is he's going to take you on a tour of Hollywood and it takes you to like the darkest places rather than you know celebrity homes like dark places. But literally, all they do is take you to celebrity homes. <laughs> yes, that. But also the fact that so he gets these two couples to get inside the car. He's supposed to go on a date with his girlfriend, who is the beautiful offspring. And he's like, well, I got to go and get the driver to take them on it. He goes to get the driver. This has to at least be like 20 minutes. Yeah, they're just sitting in Of these people just car. sitting in a car, yeah. mm-hmm. not getting angry, nothing, just sitting there for this yep. entire scene. Did you recognize any of the tour passengers? Well, yeah, the main dude is- and the chick. The chick- yes. Is from Can you name uh, her? I have no idea what her name is. But she was in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. She's the neighbor's uh-huh. wife. Yep. There's one that's more important. I do not know. That's the first one that pops into okay. my mind. First of all, the tourist guy is Clint Howard. When are we gonna see the death houses? That's Ron Howard's brother. Yes, he's, he's in been every in Ron Howard movie. But he's as far the ugly as, version of Ron Howard. Yeah, as far as horror movies are concerned. He is, one year after this movie, he is the Ice Cream Man in the movie The Ice Cream Man. Ah, yes, which we will hopefully never watch. We'll see. I've heard it's god awful, (laughs) like the worst thing you could watch. Our character Cody suggests that he waits for his girlfriend because the girlfriend's like, if you don't want to go on this tour, I'm going without you. And Cody says you can wait for her. At this really cute ice cream parlor down the block. Cute. Now, I am not scared. You can wait for her at this really cute ice cream parlor right down the block. But it's not a reference to anything because the movie hadn't come out yet. It's just a coincidence. But the girlfriend is Kimmy Robertson. I want to go. If you're too scared, you can just meet me back at the hotel. And she was, as you say, in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. She was Dot in the Tick cartoon. And she was... Lucy in Twin Peaks, the uh, receptionist yes. at the police department. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she was also, and I think you'd get a kick out of this, in the Mad Hatter episode of the Batman animated series. Is she the Alice? She's the Alice. Oh, yes. yes. She's also the Feather Duster in Beauty and the Beast. She's all of Ariel's sisters in The Little Mermaid. All of them? Yes. And she plays a character called Kathy in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yes, yes, she works with her. She's been in a lot of great movies as little parts. She has this great voice. It's fantastic. But he goes and he gets the guy who owns the service called Morty. Do you recognize Morty? I recognized him, but I didn't know why. Morty is played by Sandy Barron. He is Jack Klompas from Seinfeld's. The guy who lives at Seinfeld's parents' community, retirement community, Oh, the guy who's always after his dad? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, they go to find the driver. He's in a bar. They do a routine thing where they have to push him into water. So, apparently, this happens all the time. Uh-huh. In fact, 
even after they do it to him, he's like, I need one more. And he does it to himself. And he's like, you know, you got to give this tour. And obviously the guy is far too drunk and can't give it. So his girlfriend is not happy that he's going to take her to the go-kart park after After. the tour. They go to Bella Gosi's home where a woman comes out and splashes water on the car. Because apparently they do it all the time. And apparently that bothers her. But one of the last stops is like Harry Houdini's house, which will come into play later. Oh, yeah. It's very important. For stupid reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he says this was Bella Lugosi's home. And after they, she splashes the water on it, one of the, one of the people in the car says, okay, so who was that? And he goes, his stepdaughter, Stella. <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Stella Lugosi. Now, after we see Harry Houdini's house... We see a shot of a tree that was planted from the people of Killarney. Yeah. Which is how he got transferred to America. Because I guess that was the tree that he magically lived in. It's almost like the movie pretends that the first movie didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. The homeless man is peeing and then he jumps out and then he grabs the man's whiskey And he drinks it and he spits it out because it's Canadian. And he says the only whiskey is Irish whiskey, which is fun. I love that line. Blended Canadian. The only whiskey is Irish whiskey. And then he sees that the homeless man has a gold tooth. So he rips it out of the homeless man's face and runs away. By tying him down with the tree vines Mm -hmm. or, or vines or something. Which apparently he had he, he could control and never controls again. Yeah, it, God, this movie is so dumb, guys. Like this movie, <laughs> there is no reason this movie should exist. Well, there is one reason, and we'll get to that. So, but he lets the guy live. Yes, he does. He doesn't kill him. He just takes the gold. I so don't understand. The motivations of this character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's really deep and nuanced. In the in the first one, didn't he just kill everybody? He pretty much. Yeah. Everyone he came across. Remember when he pogoed on that guy? I do remember we when he pogoed on that guy. keep talking about that. <laughs> I also remember that there's a segment where he just sits on a tricycle and goes in circles for a while for no discernible reason. In this one, he rides in a go-kart. <laughs> yes, he does. Seriously, do you remember the scene where he's on a tricycle? Yes, I do. He's going around in fucking circles? He's riding on a tricycle in a lot of that movie with his little striped socks. <laughs> anyway. So, the girl finally gets to go to the go-kart place. And the guy who works there is apparently why they're all coming to hang out there. And he obviously has a crush on the girl. I mean, not obviously. He They end up telling you and he kind of tries to assault the girl and she's just like, I have a boyfriend. I know I was using you to make him feel jealous today, but that does not mean I'm going to have sex with you. And he does call her a tease, which I fully think that she is. Using a guy who's obviously interested in you to get your boyfriend jealous, you're a fucking tease. Yeah, that does suck. It sucks. Not that he has any right to assault her after that. He doesn't actually do anything. No, he tries. He, yeah. he tries and she hits him. And then he calls her a, a bitch. bitch or something like that. Yeah. yeah but can, but- we, can we pause just a moment and talk about something else that sucks? Okay. Siobhan Durkin's acting. Who's that? She's the girl. Okay. She is terrible. Yes. Yes, she is. Yes. I forgot how bad she was until just she is now. 
awful to the point where it's forgettable. It's almost like I got to look this up. Is she not a native English speaker? Like it feels like that. No, she was born in Santa Clara, California. And wasn't she up against some other famous person for the role? Apparently Denise Richards was up for the role, but I can't confirm that that's the case. Okay, so we don't have any proof that it was up not, against Denise Richards. Not that Denise Richards is the best actress in the She's world. She's definitely better than this girl was. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, it, like, there were lines where I was like, you had no emotion. You yes. just said the lines. Like, my kids do the first time I give them a script. Yes. Like, the first time they get a script and they don't know... That they have to use their voice as a tool. She seems like an alien trying to impersonate the English language. <laughs> and just not quite, it's just that uncanny, you know? There's just something wrong with it. And I, I mean, I am sorry to Siobhan Durkin. This is not just us trying to tear you down or anything like that. You know, because I know you're listening to this was right now. Was there ever anything else she was in? Yeah, she was in a couple of things. Dead at 21, I think, is the next biggest thing that they talk about. Never heard of it. She was in one episode of Beverly Hills 90210. She was in a movie called Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. She was in an episode of The Wonder Years. But there's a big gap from 2001 when she was in Folly Island to 2014 where she was in Spermicide. Oh, this is the this is the story of Spermicide, a comedy crime thriller. No. Glenn, a former sperm donor and recently diagnosed sociopath, takes his daughter on a murder spree of his sperm donated offspring in the dark comedy Spermicide. Jesus. It might be funny, you don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but I mean it's not all she's done with her life. She's not like a professional actress anymore. Apparently she works in casting and producing. So so Cody is angry because his girlfriend's kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand that she's upset, but again, it's one thing to be upset with your boyfriend. It's another thing to be like, I'm going to go flirt with this guy just to make you upset and jealous. Like, that's shitty. But so he gets upset, and so he's driving really stupidly and gets pulled over by a cop. Now, why the cop would arrest you for, oh, because it's not his car. Yeah, and he doesn't have a license. Right. He, he, he has a learner's a permit or something like that, which means he can't take passengers. Yes. So Morty has to come and pick him up. Like, so Cody is just this kid with no parents who has Morty as the person who's taking care of him. That's why Cody's so fucked up. A lot of questions about <laughs> this. But yeah. At some point in here, the leprechaun rips off a dude's finger that has a ring on it. Yeah, and I don't remember what the context was of that. It's totally unimportant. It's just... Well, he needs the ring to give to her. Really? Is that it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, because A, it's gold, so he wants the gold. That's what I thought it was. Also B, he gives her that ring later. Interesting. And she has to take it off the finger. But I don't remember the context. He just grabs the guy's hand and rips off his finger and takes the ring. But anyway, Morty shows up and he bails out Cody. In the meantime, while Cody's in the police station, Ian, I think his name is, is taking Bridget home. And she turns him down. He calls her a bitch. So then the leprechaun who can do the voices of people, was that in the and first one? Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like maybe he it was. Maybe did do yeah, that. Uh-huh. He, he at least did voices, but he could also make illusions appear. In this case, it's Bridget in her garage. Doing a sexy dance and in her bra. she starts to take off her top, and she even takes off her bra. And at Chris one point. was like, it is, that is 
A body double. It is very obviously a body double. How instead of like panning down or just zooming back so you can see head and tits at the same time, it's cut off at the shoulders and up for the actress and then cut to from there, cut to shoulders and down. Like they're not even trying to hide it by cutting away to something else and then coming back to that. Plus the body does look slightly different than what you would expect this girl's body to look like. So So Ian is entranced by this. And he comes up to her and he's like happy she changed her mind. And he's just like staring at her tits. And we see that there's actually a lawnmower that's been turned on and lifted up with the leprechaun's levitation skills, I guess. And Ian can't see this. And then we see Ian push his face in like he's going to motorboat her. And the, the camera pans away, I thought, very skillfully. And we see what is obviously... A silhouette of somebody else pushing his face into what it what is a silhouette of a fake lawnmower. And then blood just goes everywhere. Obvious implication being face into a lawnmower. That is brutal. I thought kind of the best part of the movie. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But that's what we're talking about here, folks. <laughs> so he goes to her house and the main guy... Not the guy died. (laughs) And he's got the flowers to say he's sorry. And she says, I could never stay mad at you. It totally worked. Her scheme totally worked. But then the phone comes alive and the cord tries to strangle him. Well, he gives her the flowers and she sneezes because of the flowers. Oh, I forgot about that. And he tries to say, God bless you. And that's when the phone comes alive and starts to strangle him. Yes. At this point, she sneezed three times, and now the leprechaun can claim her. But he also grabs a coin, and I forget why. He picks up the leprechaun's coin. He sees it on the ground, and he picks but it up. But why did he drop coins? No idea. Okay. But now she has the collar around her neck. Yes. So she now belongs to the leprechaun. He th- ends up throwing something stupid at him, but it's made out of iron, and yeah. Iron has always had the lore of hurting magical super, creatures. Yeah, and supernatural stuff like that. creatures. Yeah. Not sure why. What about Iron people think? <laughs> Superman can't see through it. That's weird. Also, yeah. But anyway, it's like a it's like a fireplace poker. S- poker, yeah. And he swings at him and he grabs it, it, burns, it and burns him. his hand. Yeah, and it glows. And I thought that that was pretty neat. But he does ultimately take Bridget. And gets away with her. So now Bridget's missing, Ian's dead, and Cody's kind of on the hook for all of this. And so the cops are after him, thinking that he's killed Ian in a jealous rage and kidnapped Bridget. Then we get a scene which is so uncomfortable, and I'm just like, you know, I am so sick of sexual assault just being a staple in the horror genre. Oh, yeah. We cannot escape it. Uh, it's not going to end with this movie it, in this episode. It never goes away. And yeah. I, it is such, just such a crutch. It is, very much so. But, honestly, I mean, it, it is terrifying. And I'm I think honestly at the point the where point. if you aren't going to straight up murder a woman or rape her, you think you can't scare a woman. Right, that's the only way to, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the fact is it makes most dudes uncomfortable, too. And so it it is. It's an easy shorthand for fear, and it really fucking sucks. So she wakes up in his lair, which is where the the bones of her grandfather are. Great, 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 great grandfather. 
Not that she knows that. Right. Um, but he comes in, the leprechaun comes in, and she's like tied down or something. And he's talking about how they're going to have to make alterations to her body so that she can have a full litter of leprechauns, which is so disgusting. And he said, we're going to have to change your face, too. So you look like your kids. So Because yeah. your kids won't suckle if you don't look like them. Yeah. Then he looks straight at the camera. Did you notice that? Which I'm like, whoa. Warwick is I an experienced like- actor. <laughs> like, it was weird. It felt like they were supposed to cut, and he like looked at the camera like, are, are you going to cut? Are we good? <laughs> and then, and then the editor didn't. just didn't catch it? Yes. But so then he like licks her face, and this disgusting shit comes out. And oh yeah, the slobber runs down her face and everything. But I mean, that's been a that's been a Freddy thing too with the tongue. But like his hands are all over; it's very uncomfortable. But she's smart. The character is smart, and she kind of like Jasmine and Aladdin is like, yeah, <laughs> I'll totally be with you. You would just let me go. I'll do anything you want. For whatever reason, he believes her. Well, actually, I don't think he really believes her no. because he does say to her. He has to leave, so he lets her go. He leaves to go find the coin. Is what yes, he, does. Yeah. he he needs to find his coin. So he's like, "I gotta go." You'll try to escape, but it won't work. I'm going to get me gold. You'll try to escape, but it's hopeless. <laughs> so, like, I guess he understands that she's playing him. Yeah. Meanwhile, the boyfriend has been doing research about leprechauns. Yep. Which, if he did, he'd find out that. It's not what leprechauns look like. Yes. <laughs> and he is explaining how... Leprechauns are devious creatures. They're conniving. It says here they live by trickery, even get pleasure out of it. Maybe I should have kept you away from all this supernatural stuff. He dropped a rack of pots on my head, Morty. Oh, now I'm convinced. Look, look, look. They possess telekinetic powers and can turn invisible at will. They are masters of illusion. Both leprechauns and fairies can only be harmed by wrought iron. Right, right. And uh, they're all greedy as hell, and they love to drink, and they make those shoes, and they all have little pots of gold, and if you catch them, they grant you three wishes, and all the rest of that crap. According to lore, folklore, they were evil. Yeah. There was nothing about them that was good. And then that was changed to mischievous. Yes. Yeah. At first, they go to the bar, and... In the bathroom, Cody runs into a leprechaun in the credits as African-American leprechaun. Oh, my God. You're right. I didn't understand my notes. That's why I skipped it. (laughs) Who is Tony Cox, by the way, who is a famous little person. Famous actor. actor. You know him from probably, likely, Bad Santa. But also me, myself, and Irene. Yes. Uh, So... And he shows up in the bathroom, and he's just drunk and giving away gold. This is important. He's like... He says, Yo, man... Want me gold? And he holds up, and Cody's so weirded out because he doesn't know if this is actually the leprechaun or not. And so he gives him a piece of gold, which is just chocolate. It's real milk chocolate. (laughs) He says, and then just smiles at him for a while. But he has the gold tooth in his mouth. That's the smile. And that reminds Cody about what the homeless man said back in the police station about how a little person stole his gold tooth and he came out of the tree at Houdini's place. And so now they think they know where he lives. So anyway, yes, that that all happens and now he has 
a chocolate gold piece, which will become important later. Yes, it will. The leprechaun ends up showing up at the bar, and Morty fake drinks him under the table. They have a drinking contest. Yeah. And Morty, since earlier we found out that the bartender has a special drink that's non-alcoholic that he feeds Morty when he thinks Morty's getting too drunk. So Morty specifically asks him for that drink, and then they have a competition. So Morty's stone cold sober, but the leprechaun is completely trashed. So there's this, I guess, drunk leprechaun joke segment of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) But it's this weird shot where, like, they see that the leprechaun's there and he's just down at the end of the bar, and he kind of, like, stares and waves at them, and it's really weird. This movie is bizarre. (laughs) It's so bizarre. There's also a lot of little people, because it's St. Patrick's Day. And there's, like, a contest for the best draw, like, the best leprechaun Right, exactly. So they end up pounding on the table and convincing the the leprechaun to participate in this contest. One of us. One one of us, us, which is straight out of Freaks, if you've ever seen it. One of us! One of us! One of us! One of us! Um, which I'm sure we'll watch it at some point, right? It's been on the list for forever. It just keeps getting pushed down. Yeah. I like that movie. I think it's very good. He gets away, and I can't remember how he gets away here. Um, but they don't capture him or stop him in any way while they're here at the bar. Meanwhile, Bridget, back in the lair, finds a box full of bullshit, including an awl, uh, A-W-L, awl, which is used for putting holes in leather for, like, making shoes. Okay. Remember when he says, it's me favorite all? That's what she tries to stab him with it. Do you not remember any of this? <laughs> I remember her trying to hurt him yes. and not working. It looks like an old-timey screwdriver. I do remember that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just a puncture thing. Or yeah. maybe it's an ice pick or whatever. But no, it's used to, to pierce holes in material. And when she like tries leather. to hit him, it bends. Yes. But she finds this box full of just fucking bullshit. Like... I, it, there's no explanation of what this box is or why it's there, but she grabs an awl, and I guess she's going to try to attack him. He gets upset because when she tries to stab him with it, it bends, and he's like, that's me favorite all. <laughs> me dad gave that to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what any of this is. But So they go back to the go-kart place for some fucking reason. Do you remember why? Is it because, is it because the coin is there? For some reason, I know. I, it well, he's be. following the guy wherever he goes because he's got the gold coin. Right. No, I understand. So I, why does Cody and Morty go back to this go-kart place? I don't know. None of my notes make sense at this point. I think, <laughs> I, I, think I was just so just like, this movie is so dumb. I'm sure there's an explanation. I don't think the movie just doesn't tell us. I just think it resonates so little that we don't even remember. Like, this movie gets so bad, guys. I... It does. They end up, yes, tricking him into going, oh, that's why they go to the, okay, 
They go to the go-kart place because he remembers that their safe is a giant iron safe. That is specifically why they go there. It's not just they happen to be there and there's an iron safe. That's why they're going there. Got it. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense. For some reason, this go-kart track has a giant iron safe. (laughs) And they use it to trap the leprechaun inside. I have, oh, he goes to the coffee bar. When he's so drunk, he goes to the coffee bar, and what's his face from Mad TV is the barista there. Oh, steam deck. That's the steam deck. <laughs> the cappuccino machine. That's what that is. So, so. yes, they, they trick him into going after Cody, who's inside, and he die, he gets inside by going through the doggy door, where they've lined up the safe to be right in front of it. They pull it around and close the safe, and now he's trapped in iron. Everywhere he goes, he, he touches touch iron. He can't touch anything or he'll burn. So he's totally fucked. But Except that. Morty locks Cody in the broom closet. Because he decides that leprechauns grant wishes, which I've never heard before. Yeah, but I mean, because they did research earlier, and he just kind of rattled off a bunch of things that he knows from growing up about it, and he totally gets the wishes thing. I guess maybe that, I don't know. Anyway, he locks Cody in this broom closet, which has a lock on the outside. Why does a broom closet have a lock on it? In case you don't want people to steal anything from the broom closet? Then why is the lock just a turny lock on the outside? Because you're not preventing anyone from getting in. Literally all that does is prevent things inside from getting out. What the fuck is going on at this go-kart place? It is a weird place. (laughs) But so Morty wishes for his pot of gold, which, I mean, anything you've ever heard about a thing that makes wishes... You know you have to be specific. It's called the monkey's paw. Yes. That's that's what that refers to. But the, yeah, you have to be very specific because wishes will be granted in a way that's twisted and punishing. He grants him his wish. And he puts it inside of him, which is completely ridiculous. If you were to put that inside of a human, the human would break. Right, but I mean, it's this weird sort of like body horror thing, which is yeah. interesting. And I was not expecting from this movie... That they would do body horror. It doesn't mean, oh, gore happens to bodies. That's not body horror. Body horror is this weird sort of uncanny, there's that word again, manipulation of bodies to seem horrific. So, yeah, that's If they had any kind of budget, I'm sure this is where all that budget went. Yeah, he just has a pot of gold. Literally all they did is they sat Morty down, the actor down, they put the pot on him, and then they wrapped what looks like skin over the pot to make it look like it's his stomach. But how did they slowly expand it? Oh, well, then he's probably not sitting exactly there, and they just push it out through that. That makes sense. I wrote down, ah, poor Morty. And Morty, who is dying, says, help me. Let's him out because he wants him to get it out. Get it out. The leprechaun says, love to friend. Oh, no, no, no. That's different. Sorry. No, he says, very well. And he opens him up with his nails. But he has to wish him. The three wishes are weird. Like, he, he does all three wishes. The first wish is for the pot of gold. The second wish sets him free. The leprechaun says he'd help him, but he can't because he's in the iron uh, safe. So I guess they do grant wishes because then his second wish is to let him out and then the safe opens up. So I guess he has the power to grant wishes and that's more powerful than his actual power. Then he wishes for the leprechaun to get the pot of gold out of him. And he is very unspecific. So he slashes at Morty and cuts open his stomach in order to pull his own pot of gold out of him. And so as Morty lay dying, he asks the leprechaun to help him. And the leprechaun says, love to friend, but you're all out of wishes. Help me. Love to friend, 
but you're all out of wishes. And then Morty dies. Yes. Poor Morty. Poor Morty. I wrote, oh, poor Morty. He was a bumbling guy, but he had the best intentions, <laughs> except for when he locked Cody in the broom closet yeah. to get wishes. Yeah. <laughs> so then Cody gets out and he chases after because he remembers, again, remember, he, he remembers what the homeless man says about the tree at Houdini's place. And so he goes there, climbs in the tree and goes after Bridget to save her. Oh, in the middle here, he kills the security guard with this modified go-kart that has all these spikes in it, on it and everything. He tries to attack Cody, but can't because Cody has his gold coin. So Cody learns that he's safe as long as he has the gold coin. So then Cody goes to the tree. We're coming up on the end of the movie, people. Don't worry. My notes at this point are hilarious. <laughs> They're just, just exasperated. <laughs> At one point, Cody says, have you had your iron today? I wrote that down as well. When he attacks him. Have you had your iron today? I wrote that the music here is real silly and very strange at this point. Yes. I also wrote bugs all over him, question mark, so he could do a jump scares, question mark. Well, there are bugs that, like, fall on Cody, and it's unexplained. Yes. And there's just, the only time there are bugs in the entire movie and anywhere in the lair is at this one moment. And by the way, the lair is very obviously just a really cheaply made set. Who wrote and directed this movie? Because I feel like either the writer or the director was just like, okay, these are all the things that are normally in horror movies. How are we going to put them in here? Yeah. So the director is Rodman Flender. Remember, the best name we've had on the show so far. Has he done anything else? He has uh, directed a couple of episodes of The Office, a couple episodes of Ugly Betty, the 10 Things I Hate About You TV show. He does a lot of TV direction. That's why then I did write down at one point, the lighting is very tv he directed, yeah, several episodes of things like Party of Five, Dawson's Creek, Gilmore Girls, The O.C. So shows that don't really need a director because everybody knows how to play the yeah. part and they just have to have people in their stand-ins, basically. The Scream TV series that's recently. The Conan O'Brien documentary, Can't Stop, is him. Uh, yeah, so Rodman Flender, and it was written by Turi Meyer and Alfredo Septien. But anyway. Have they ever written anything? I was afraid you were going to ask me of that. <laughs> Turi Meyer wrote a lot of TV. This is the first thing he's ever written, but he wrote. It shows. He wrote Day of the Dead, the Candyman sequel. Candyman no, Day of the Dead. We've never seen the sequel. No. It's on the list. All sequels are on the list. He wrote 16 episodes of Smallville, three episodes of The Vampire Diaries, four episodes of Witches of East End, two episodes of Salem. So, yeah, and he's directed and produced a lot of those same shows. But, yeah, a lot of TV, not a lot of movies. That's Turi Meyer. Alfredo Septien has pretty much the same exact list of credits. Okay. So that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah, uh-huh. So anyway, at one point, it's revealed that the skeleton can talk, and it's come to life, and it attacks Cody, and... We find out that it is, in fact, the skeleton of William O'Day. 
they try to run away, but it's a labyrinth, but a magical one. They go down a path, they come out another one that shouldn't be possible. They yeah, keep I doing wrote that. deja vu. And again, they just <laughs> yep. kept doing the same shit over and over again because they were basically like, we need to fill time here. Yes. And then they get separated and then they get reunited and Bridget says, I love you, Cody. Give me the coin. Yes. The only way we're going to get out of here. It's just like the most obvious fucking thing in the entire goddamn world. And he gives her the fucking coin. And of course, it's the goddamn leprechaun is who didn't see that coming? But and he's then, smarter than that because the coin he gave to the leprechaun is the chocolate one. Yes. And he says, real milk chocolate, genius. Yeah, he says, in your <laughs> dreams. He's gonna blow! Why does he blow up? I don't know. Because he eats chocolate. Maybe he's like a dog and he can't eat chocolate. Oh, I remember. Okay, yes, this is what happened. So the leprechaun makes Cody stab himself with the iron bar thing, right? And he falls down to the ground like he like he just killed himself. That's when it's revealed that it's actually milk chocolate. It's not the real coin. And that's when Cody pops up being A-OK and didn't actually hurt himself, stabs him with the iron. So now instead of touching the iron, he's been stabbed with it. And then he starts like glowing and shaking. And then that's when Bridget's like, he's going to blow. And they run away. And the whole thing explodes. And then they toss the coin. Even though it protects them. Yeah, exactly. Even though it protects you, let me just get rid of this. But they know that he'll never stop coming for them. But apparently he's supposed to be dead. So, like, your logic is just wraps in on itself and it doesn't make but any it sense. But it ends in a way that makes you think he's going to come back. I don't remember what happens. No, then it just fucking cuts to credits. Oh, okay. They toss the coin and then credits. It's the weirdest fucking thing. So, ugh. This movie was originally going to be filmed two at a time. So they were going to film this and three together, but they end up saying no to that idea. And since two and three were supposed to be heavily tied together, they ended up having to scrap a lot of Leprechaun 2. So that might be why this is nonsensical and not that great. I doubt it. (laughs) I seriously doubt that rewrites affected the quality of this film. Yes. So here's what the third one was supposed to be about. This is as it's written, so I don't know if any of this is actually accurate or not, but let's let's hear what the sequel to this was supposed to be. Just after they leave and make plans to get food, the police arrive and arrest Cody for the murders of all the people the leprechaun killed. Because remember, he's still a suspect in those murders. Bridget tries to tell the police the truth, but they don't believe her. She starts working together with someone called Mandy. Do you remember a Mandy anywhere in the movie? Kind of. To look for a lawyer for Cody, but they fail at that. They end up forced to go to trial with a public defender. The case goes sideways when Ian appears alive as the star witness, claiming to have watched Cody kill the victims. There's a problem here in that Ian was one of the victims, like the primary victim and the one that led everyone to believe that it was Cody in the first place. So you take away that victim and all of a sudden Cody being on trial doesn't make any sense anymore. But whatever. Bridget goes to a shaman who teaches her a spell which forces the supernatural beings to reveal themselves. So in court, she performs the spell and then... It's revealed that Ian is, in fact, the leprechaun in Ian's body, his spirit, not actually the leprechaun. The spirit then takes over one of the police officers in the courtroom. One of the fathers of one of the victims tries to shoot 
Cody and all the melee ends up killing a bunch of people, but not Cody, who ends up escaping with Bridget. Ian, still alive, wakes up in the courtroom. Now, his memories have been changed by the leprechaun. (laughs) This is so incredible. His memories have been changed by the leprechaun. So now he thinks that Cody was actually responsible for all this stuff. So he still retains these memories of Cody being responsible. Ian and all of his friends, who are a bunch of jock jerks, go uh, looking for Cody. They, Cody and Bridget, went to go visit that shaman again, who tells them the way to kill the leprechaun is to, quote, force his spirit to flee multiple times, whatever that means. Like, they've done it once, I guess, at this point. The leprechaun version of the cop shows up and kills the shaman. They get into a fight with Cody, who kicks him in the groin in order to defeat him. Cody is about to escape, but he's caught by Ian, who starts to beat him up. Bridget convinces Ian that, no, you got everything all wrong. The leprechaun is forced out of the cop's body when Ian shoots him, the cop, dead. So then the leprechaun comes out of the cop's body and inhabits Cody. So now Cody has the leprechaun spirit. They are fighting against each other spiritually, I guess. And the leprechaun forces Cody to murder all of Ian's buddies. Cody ends up stopping the leprechaun and tells Bridget that the leprechaun is really weak. And if she tries the spell one last time, surely the leprechaun will be dead. Because remember, forcing him to flee multiple times is what's going to finally kill him. So he loses control and the leprechaun tries to kill Ian. Bridget finishes the spell to save Ian. But the leprechaun manages to drag Cody to hell with him. Bridget cries, Ian consoles her, and Cody makes a deal with the leprechaun in order to get out of hell and make it back to Earth. That is what was going to be the trial of the leprechaun. Number three. Number three. It didn't happen. Oh, thank Christ. Which is very good because my last note I have here about the movie is it just wasn't fun. Was it fun? Like, at all. It wasn't... I mean, I laughed a couple times, but very little, and, like, it was, like, a one laugh thing. Yeah. This movie should not have been made. No. Absolutely not. This movie should not exist. It is no good. So, Kelsey, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Does it have one? It doesn't have a consensus review, but there are 16 reviews in order to give it a Rotten Tomatoes score. About 7%. Try 0%. I was gonna say 0, but I was like, there's usually one person. Uh No Metacritic, no cinema score. Before we get into what we think, when asked why there's a sequel to The Leprechaun, Fangoria Magazine published these responses from the cast and crew. Why is there a Leprechaun 2 is the question. Why is there a sequel to the first Leprechaun? The producer, Dan Borchers, said, why not? The makeup artist, Gabe Bartolos, who makes the leprechaun look the way he does, which is one of the best things about the series. The scariest thing about uh-huh. the series. Quote, somebody made money on the first one, so now there's a part two. Warwick Davis himself said, money's definitely the answer. Director Rodman Flender said, I don't know, why make a part two of anything? There's an audience and they make money. <laughs> look. I'm never going to say anything about little people. They've only got so many roles for them. Yeah, more roles so, for little people. You know, yeah. Fuck it. Uh, Warwick Davis, you make all the money you want to make. The sad part is, is that anyone else wants to be a part of it. I totally yeah. get why Warwick Davis would do it, and I know that's terrible, but it's true. Uh, that's the way the business is. But why anyone else signed on to this film 
the whole money thing has got to be bullshit. They couldn't have made very much off so, of this. Well, they did enough of this. Okay. But the first movie had an estimated budget of $900,000, so less than a million dollars. It made in domestic gross $8.5 million. Wow. The first movie. Wow. So they made a sequel. The sequel had an estimated budget of, remember the first one was 900000 an estimated budget of $2 million. So over twice as high as the first movie. It's not nearly as good. It's domestic gross. $2.26 million. So it made like $250,000. Mm-hmm. Which is why the rest of them were sent to video. Yeah. <laughs> this same and yet art- they continue to make them. Yes. And I cannot wait to see how epically awful they become. Final comment about this. The same article in Fangoria claims that the original subtitle of this film was going to be The Bride of Leprechaun, which is fun. I've heard other people say that it's one wedding and lots of funerals, but I cannot substantiate that claim. I just see it everywhere unsighted. So who knows if that's real or not. But Fangoria does say that it was going to be Bride of Leprechaun, which is kind of cute, I think. So do you think 0% is overrated or underrated? I guess do you think it's underrated is the real question here. Look, I wasn't going to give it a 0 because it's not as bad as Lifeblood. No. And it's Lifeblood not, is like the standard for zero movies. And it's not as us. bad as X-Ray. Yes, so is X-Ray. Although, the the further I get away from X-Ray, the further I think we were really, like, the more I think we were really harsh on it. I don't know. I don't remember X-Ray hardly at all. I can tell you right now, I remember it. And no, we were not harsh <laughs> on that movie. All right. So, what do you what do you think then? I'm going to give it a 2%. 2%. Wow. You were in the 20s for the first Leprechaun. I was 40. I don't think I could give this one a 20. It's just not fun. (sighs) I'm going to give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 10. I'm giving it a 2 because I do remember there were a couple times where I was like, that was kind of funny. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. But I can't even tell you what they are. Horrendous. That's really, really bad. Man. Don't worry, folks. Muck is worse. Which is what we're going to get into in just a little bit. Before we do, Kelsey, horror trivia. An investigator ends up on a Scottish island where the inhabitants have an unhealthy obsession with sexuality in this 1973 film. A Scottish island. An investigator. Are Are we just talking about the Wicker Man? Yes. Oh, Okay, I mean, it's not... Jesus! But it's not all about the sexuality. That's just part of it. This game is shit. (laughs) I forget what movie it is. A couple weeks ago, they described... Oh, The Babadook. It was like, because they read the book, the thing came out. And it was like, no! (laughs) It existed before the book. The book's just part of it. Anyway, Kelsey. Kane Hodder, who is in this next movie... Oh, God, it's a question about Muck? No. Okay. It's just a question about Kane Hodder. I was like, I, I can't believe they actually have questions about it. It has nothing to do with the Wishmaster either, which Kane Hodder is also in. Okay. Kane Hodder is widely known as the actor who portrays Jason Voorhees. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me he was in it. Out of the 12 official Jason appearances in film, how many 
were actually portrayed by Kane Hodder. You told me this. I did. I remember you were like, oh, he's so famous. And then you told me how many. And I was like, that's not that many. He's in 12. Sorry, there are 12. Jason is in 12. It's going to be like, did you just say the answer? Like, fuck you. (laughs) Jason is in 12 movies. The entire series, the remake, and Freddy versus Jason. I'll go with four. Four is right. Friday the 13th, part seven, New Blood. I mean, four out of 12 is not a lot. It's a third. Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. That's the other thing, too, is that he was in, like, the worst ones. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there were five Jason movies before Kane Hodder, but Kane Hodder is known as the guy who plays Jason. That's very strange. Because he was, like, the last Jason in the actual Jason franchise. Because then he did Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, which wasn't, because then the one after <laughs> that was Jason X. And... That is, or Jason 10, however you want to say it, it is the 10th Jason movie and the last in the official original movie series. Then there was Freddy vs. Jason, and then there was the remake, which is not that bad. Yeah, anyway, we, we, we thought it was okay. We thought it was okay. It was a hell of a lot better than my bloody Valentine's remake. <laughs> yes, yes. Which each of them has a character from Supernatural in it. Which we are starting ones. to re- we're starting to watch again, so we we'll are. have some more check-ins. We are. We're in season six, remember. season eight, something. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it, it's a lot better than the Freddy remake. Oh God, yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, Muck from 2015, <sighs> written and directed by the same person. Would you believe it? <laughs> Steve Walsh, starring Lachlan Buchanan, Pooja Mohindra, Bryce Draper, and of course, Kane Hodder as the iconic Grossum Crudel. That's what they're called? Because I don't think they ever named no, him. No, that's in the movie. his name. They never name him in the movie, but they identify him in the credits. Okay. As Grossum Crudel. Because they're not supposed to be leprechauns. They're not leprechauns. This just happens to take place on St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. And there is St. Patrick's Day like decorations at the bar. <laughs> They're not hiding the fact that it's St. Patrick's Day, but it has nothing to do with the movie. Anyway, what is it about? Hard to tell, right? It's really hard to tell, guys. The movie is so <laughs> like, what's happening? It is basically. It starts bef- It starts after the actual start of the story, and it ends before the actual end of the story. Yes. And there's a reason for that, it's which we'll re- get to later. I actually kind of liked the beginning. How I was they like, don't tell you what yeah, originally happened like, to them? I was like, this is interesting. This uh-huh. is different. And then it just gets terrible. I, and I remember, remember I said to you, I was like, I was literally just about to write that the beginning was pretty good. And then something happens, yeah. and it just turns to shit, and it does not ever get any better and it just stays bad the entire movie and it's so awful so don't see it i mean the hold on we're not there yet (laughs) effectively the story is a group of people who are out in the marshes get attacked by these fury road people yes exactly wannabe nucks or whatever they are after or before fury road it was around the same time because they look like they're straight out of that the first time you see one yeah it's the same year the first time you see one, Chris was like, that was kind of cool. And I turned to him and I was like, I thought that was the guy from it Skins. Was Nux. Yeah. <laughs> Tony from Skins. As, What's his name? <laughs> as somebody in Fury Road. Nux. He's Nux in Fury Road. His name is Nux. Yeah. Oh. It's what's on his brake pedal or something like that on his car. Anyway. 
So yes, they what get a attacked. lovely, lovely day. <laughs> I liked that movie. They get attacked by these white, like painted white folks with, with stars red, and stuff like that. With red, just like in Fury Road. And they stole it. I'm 98% sure they stole it. But it, it came out in the same year, but this one was probably... T- it, actually, I know this one was filmed in 16 days, so they turned it around real quick. I'm sure they probably already knew about it. But anyway, they're attacked by this tribe of people who live near the marsh but won't go in the marsh. Is there something because scarier there's something in scarier the marsh? scarier in the marsh. Folks, you never find out yeah, what's in the marsh. Yeah, you never find out what it is. I was sitting here like, do we remember what it was? I don't remember. But again... There's a reason for that, and it's stupid, but we will get to it. Because they ran out of money, I'm sure. No, oh. that is not the reason. <laughs> but this is a very low-budget movie, and they accomplished a lot with very little money. Well, it's a bunch of... Okay. It was also apparently very dangerous. It is a bunch of porn stars getting naked. Yes, like, so uh, this is the should you watch it. It's $4 to rent and $6 to buy on most services. I think I still just rented it. Because I was not interested in it at all. It stars just, I'm, it's a, a Playboy Playmate and a bunch of women getting naked. The camera focusing on asses and boobs. The entire goddamn movie. It was screened for the first time by Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion. Well, this is the caliber of movie that we're talking the about. The first here. time we see a girl get naked, I was like, is this turning into a porno? Like I was like, oh shit, it did we tell our did we tell our listeners to watch a porno? Like and a it's soft not. Core? It's not. It's not, but it it certainly it's, feels like it. It feels like, and we've we've done other movies that felt like this before. It feels like a movie that you know, a bunch of porn producers, directors, and stars decide they want to make a non-porn movie, and hell, let's make it a horror movie. And this is what came out of it. That's, it kind of feels like that. It is bad. Do not watch it. Do not give them money. Do not encourage them. Because apparently this was based off of a Kickstarter pitch, and that's how they got money to make the movie. Oh my god. People gave them money to see to what to, to to make, make this, this movie. That's nuts. And yet, there's people who are starving on the streets who could have used <laughs> that money to survive. But is, no, we gave it to this. It is not. It is not a zero percent, and we'll get there. Why it's not a zero percent? But it is desperately close. Very close. Do not see this movie. These movies are probably definitely going to be on our lowest. Oh yeah, yeah. both of the these of both of these will be on the worst of 2020, yeah. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2015's Muck. There's no place like home. 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 I get no sleep in the evening. We're stuck in this bloody house. I get no sleep with no in phone. The day. No weapons. And you know damn well that as soon as you say everything's fine, we're fine. What was that? Do something! Yeah. Doing something! Do something else! I have my wallet and I have my keys and I got a bunch of internal bleeding. You're bleeding everywhere. I so smell so internal. Like this show. It's an horror movie. There are there's way too many of us left. Textbook, dude. You're a goner. Everyone dies in the mock. 
The lucky ones are already dead. Kelsey, can you get us started? How does muck begin? Muck begins after the initial attack. So it it starts in a frenzy, and it's very confusing when it first gets put on because you're like, did we miss the beginning? But you didn't. And it's a girl who is wet. She's soaking wet. She's in her underwear, screaming. She's alone, scared. There's a lot of fog. Uh, screaming, she falls to the ground, tearing at the grass, and then, oh, look, a house I didn't see before. My first note is literally this. First thing we see is a woman in skimpy underwear. <laughs> yes. But even that was not enough for me to understand what this movie was going to be. Oh, do you want to uh, Do you want to understand more about the movie? The plot synopsis, written by the writer-director, Steve Walsh, <laughs> is six sentences long. And it's the only plot synopsis that there is. Okay. The first sentence, scratch that, the first phrase of the first sentence is, after narrowly escaping from an ancient burial ground. Sorry, what? Because that's nowhere in the fucking movie. Interesting. No, that's not in the movie at all. Just a prepositional phrase. Just spoilers. (laughs) Long forgotten and buried underneath the marshes of Cape Cod. A group of friends emerge from the thick, marshy darkness, tattered and bloody, lucky to be alive. Would have been good if any of that information was in the movie itself. Yeah. I wonder if they, like, did actually film an entire beginning and then they were like, scrap it. Not as far as I know, but there is an explanation, which we will get to. Okay. And so this girl's screaming for Kylie and for Billy, and I wrote down that the music reminded me of Red Dead Redemption 2, because it's like this slow guitar kind sure, of I guess, country yeah. road song. <laughs> and then they are suddenly there, after you watch this girl for a- alone for a while, and then finally they show up, and Billy has been devastatingly hurt, and... We find out that Ava and Tyler are dead. No, Ava might not be dead. Yeah, well, Tyler is definitely dead. And Ava and Tyler are fucking dead. We don't know Ava's dead, okay? Oh, no, Tyler's dead. Yeah, Tyler's real dead. And it wasn't fucking pretty. As my favorite character, Billy, says. Yes. And Billy's obviously going to die because he's been hurt. Uh really bad but he's my favorite and they start talking about this weird thing that happened but they don't give us any details they say that couldn't have been real how scary it was all that stuff we can't leave ava out there and they're like no we need to get inside so that whatever it is that they're talking about can't get them but we don't know because they're not going to tell us and they never will and she's like you know we should get ava blah 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 and one of them screams she's dead Which she's not. She's not. We meet Ava. So the next person we see is exactly like the first woman we saw. Same physique, same hair color, same general facial features, wearing the same exact black panties, but this one's topless. Yes, I wrote... that's how you can tell them apart. I wrote, first of all, the song about the sun is annoying. Yes. There's this really weird song playing here. And then I said, secondly, why is the girl suddenly brawless and alone? When did because that you think happen? Because it's the same girl, but it's not. <laughs> same scenario of her just stumbling around in the marshes yelling out for people. Like, literally, you think you're watching the beginning of the movie all over again, except now she's topless. No, that's actually Ava. She is still alive. Don't worry, it won't be for long. Yes. 
Okay, so watching this braless girl run around in front of a light, being sexy scared. Oh, God, and the um, camera just ogling her. Yes. and Ogling? Ogling, whatever. And it's mixed with, like, blood and industrial-looking hallways and stairs and rooms, which have nothing to do with anything. It, they just put it in there. At this point, guys, I still didn't understand what kind of movie we were watching, and I wrote, God, this is so adolescent, it hurts. Like, I was like, wow, this is their first horror movie, I can totally tell, but it gets so much worse than this. Uh-huh. I remember I said to you, because I, again, I didn't know what it was. I turned to Chris and I was like, I bet you anything. She was like, what should I do? And they <laughs> said, walk in front of the light and look scared, but be sexy scared. Yes, that's exactly what it is. But it, it again, it will get so much worse. And I had no idea what I was in for. We get a conversation about dick size. Do we? When and where and why? When the... Okay, so in the group of survivors, which does not include Ava at this point, who, by the way, is a sexy, almost completely naked blonde woman. In the group of survivors, there are two sexy, almost naked blonde women. This is the one that's actually wearing clothes, Daisy Dukes, not the one that's yes. panicking and just wearing underwear. The girlfriend of Billy. The, if we were using Cabin in the Woods rules, the slut. The in whore. Quotes. The whore is what they call her yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Please don't think we're making any sort of value judgments on them as people. This is just the terminology, right? Yeah, not at all. She makes a comment about having sex with Billy or whatever, and it, well, he says something like that to her, and she says, come on, you're losing so much blood, I don't even think you could get it up. And, he, and then there's this whole conversation oh, about, no. like... She talks about how big it is, but he doesn't right, have enough blood in him to get it up. Yeah, yeah. And then he starts talking about, oh, I'd have, I'd, I'd, who would have ever thought that I'd be wishing I had a smaller dick? And it's like, okay, the script is so bad. Yeah. It is really, really bad. And the acting is not helping. Billy, the bleeding guy, isn't that bad, at least in this sort of second scene. But seriously, this script. Yeah. Again, folks, if you're making a low-budget movie and you've written a script and you're going to direct it, Give that script to somebody else. Let them completely rewrite it. Because I promise you, if you are not a professional filmmaker, your script fucking sucks. And it's going to be painful to, to listen to when it's on screen. And because you're the director and you're directing your own script, you're not going to notice that. <laughs> so either let somebody else direct your script or have somebody else rewrite your script. Something, please. Because this is exactly what I'm talking about. During this time, Billy will continue to make jokes and say things like, I'm trying to just keep my spirits up, blah, blah, blah. The girls obviously don't like each other. What you'd consider the virgin, the virgin. of the group. Not, but yeah, the virgin of the group. She hates Billy's girlfriend because she's talking about like how trashy she looks and she's like are you fucking serious right now you're gonna say shit about what i'm wearing meanwhile people are being murdered and absolutely like at this point you don't like the virgin which normally you yeah. do mm -hmm. billy gives a scream speech about the yes. rules of horror and who's gonna die in what order which is, is wrong wrong yes which i kind of figured they were doing that as a joke because it was too obvious to not be a joke right i, I literally wrote the speech is not bad but painfully obvious yes Billy's girlfriend goes upstairs to have a shower, and the virgin girl goes downstairs into the basement. To look for tools, I guess, to help them? I don't remember. 
We get this brief shot when she's in the basement and the lights go out. Which Chris liked a lot. I loved it. It was great. It was out of nowhere. And it looked like one of the Fury Road guys standing at the bottom of the stairs. He, the way he was posed at the bottom of the stairwell. Actually, the pose that he did reminded me of Deadpool at the end of Wolverine Origins when he's got the long one things. The, the one arm blades or the whatever. arm blades yeah. and when his mouth is uh, all all so stitched shit, up yeah. and he's got white makeup on, I I thought he looked like that. And then later, when you can see him more clearly, he looks like the Fury Road guy. But when I first saw him, I was like Deadpool. No, <laughs> that we do not refer to that as Deadpool. But it was a pretty cool pose and it was nice and the ambiance was great. Then we get a scene. Which started to let me know what kind of a movie I was in for. The guy, the the boyfriend of the Virgin has run away. Yeah. To help them. Find somebody. And do you remember this scene? This is where he shows up at the bar? Yes. Okay. So, okay. First of all, if you're wondering why don't they call the cops or whatever, (laughs) they make a comment about how they don't want hick cops showing up because they're breaking into this house. Like that. And that's it. That's the end. Of the cop story, they never think to call the cops or even discuss it ever again the entire movie. I had no idea I didn't hear that line. Yeah. And that's it. Okay. But so he they shows up at this bar. They just needed a reason why they never, they never, even when he gets to civilization, never calls the cops. He gets to this bar and he's like kind of shell-shocked and I was like, I guess that's what they're going for here. But chicks are flirting with him. Yes. His friends have died in front of him. His other Mm. friend is dying. And he sits there and he flirts with these girls at the bar. And I'm like, what? Well, he he flirts with the cougar to get her phone. Uh, Yes. But I was like, are they about to have sex? And that's why I was like, is this starting to become a porno? Yeah. Well, because the girl, the two girls go in and they trade dresses because the cougar wants the sexy dress. Yes. You know what the movie could have done? Just put the cougar in the sexy dress. But no, they wouldn't have had two ladies stripping together in the bathroom if they did it that way. This is the kind of movie we're talking about. But yes, he gets the phone and he calls his cousin Troit. Troit. Not Detroit, not Troy, but Troit, (laughs) which is the worst name. And so we'll talk about Troit in a little bit. Apparently the bartender is somebody on the crew's friend or cousin because he gets lines for no reason. (laughs) And then he goes, he leaves, and and makes the cougar chick all pouty. I say cougar, her name is Cougar. Like that's her character's last name or whatever. It's not me... You know, <laughs> making fun of her. And then he leaves. So the whore goes upstairs and goes to take a shower. And it's just at least a minute of the bot, the camera scanning her body as she's taking a shower. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Yeah. It's just we're watching a woman take a shower. Yep. And then she looks out the window and she sees something. We don't get a clear look at what it is. We hear screaming and yelling, and she freaks out and panics. She tries to get out of the shower and trips on the edge of the tub and then nails her head on, like, the cabinet or something like that. Yes, but before you continue, I do want to say this is really the only thing that kind of makes this movie a little bit interesting. Is the timeline jumping? Yes. It kind of does. It's, it's at least, it's like... 
that was different. Yeah. At the very least, it had that. Like, it's I, a little I was different, like, but I don't see what the point of it is. I have a note somewhere here about what the, I had a problem with it, how it wasn't working for some reason. But it is intriguing, at least. I think they were trying to show us all of these different things are happening all at the same time. But they wanted to show it to you, each thing, in real time. And I kind of liked that. Because at least it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway... Yes, so she hits her head, and she's like, ow, what? And she comes downstairs in her towel, and nobody's there except for Grossom Crudel, <laughs> Kane Hodder. Yes. Who just kills the fucking shit out of her. With an axe to the stomach. Yes. And we get our first death, first in quotes. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, oh, she's the first kill, just like the Joker predicted. Billy being the Joker character. Or <laughs> fool, I think, is what they say in Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> but it's it's like at the bottom of the stairs, and there's nobody there. The panicky blonde in the black underwear with the bra on, she's not there. Billy, he's not there. The virgin, she's nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And we already know Noah's out of the out of the house. Mm-hmm. So this is where you're starting to go, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> this is where we get to meet Troy, right? Yes! Oh my god, this is the weird-ass scene with Troit. Okay, so Troit is on, I guess, a double date? Because they never fucking explain this, and it drives me insane. I think the Indian girl is his friend, who they, like, are almost about to have sex at any moment. The other girl is his date. So... For whatever reason, he's hanging out with his date and his friend at the same time, who happens to be a girl. Yes. So there's Troit, played by Lachlan Buchanan, which is just a privileged-ass, rich, white boy name if I ever heard one. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's a lovely individual, but Lachlan Buchanan, it feels like he should be on a nighttime soap opera. <laughs> anyway, and Shandi, played by Pooja Mohendra, and they're like really good friends and there's the flirtation thing going on with them. But, it's, but he's also on this date with this girl who I think is Playboy Playmate of the Year, Jacqueline Swedberg. Who carries around several... Several pairs of underwear. underwear. (laughs) Because when she thinks she's going to get laid tonight, she goes into the bathroom, tears off all of her clothes, another scene of somebody stripping in a bathroom, and just starts trying on a bunch of underwear like she's in a Victoria's Secret changing room or something. But I know you don't just put on underwear. (laughs) Anyway, but that's what it feels like. And she has multiple sets of underwear just in her tiny little clutch. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) And it just goes to show you just how strong they are with this. This is sexy. Get a boner. (laughs) That's that's what this movie is doing. (laughs) On top of that, so in the last movie, in Leprechaun 2, the kid leaves people in a car for like 20 minutes. Yes. Here, Troy picks up his phone and then just has a full-on conversation with the Indian girl, his friend. Yes. Well, while the other guys are sitting just on the phone. Sitting on the phone. Mean like my friends are dying, come save us. But he doesn't, he say, doesn't that. say that. He doesn't say that. We need a ride. That's what he says. Five people. We need a ride. Listen, man, I'm in I'm in West Craven and I, I really need a ride. West Craven? What the hell are you doing out there? You know, that place used to be pretty cool, but now 
Yeah, well, there's definitely something going on now, okay? I'm, I'm in some trouble, I really... Alright, I'll be there. But dude, if it's some boring West Craven bullshit, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. Give him for five. Five? Uh, try and ditch the dead weight if you can. If not, more the merrier. Just hurry, okay? We got you. Got to pick up five people, and so they. So Troy's like, okay, fine. We'll have to sit on each other's laps, I guess. He has three people already, and they're getting in this kind of broke ass sedan. It, it looks like a like. Well, wait, before you get into the car. No, I, I know. I'm just explaining because they have a conversation about sitting on each other's laps. We find out that this is like a like a five-seater, and yeah. they're already starting out with three, and they need to pick up five more. Yeah. And oh, we'll just sit on each other's laps. Just don't take them, Troit. Stop the date. <laughs> so... He, Troy does not understand what the situation is because the guy does not tell him anything, yes, which, fair, which fair. he will say later. He'll be like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me what was going on? I would have told the police to come. Why didn't you tell the police to come? Which they don't have an answer for. So Troy says to him, now I figured it out later, but if the first time I heard it, I was like, what the fuck did he just say? Figured out later where they are is called... West, West Craven. Craven. Yes. When he first said it. It sounds like West Craven. It sounded like West Craven. And his line is. I have it written down here. If it's the same old boring West Craven bullshit, I'm done. And I was like. Excuse me? I have written down. Excuse me? Excuse me. <laughs> Steve Walsh. You can go fuck yourself, sir. What the fuck was that line? Yeah. I would be fine if it was in West Craven and it was just a really heavy-handed, on-the-nose reference to West Craven. But then to say if it's that same old boring West Craven bullshit. <laughs> this movie is garbage. How dare you, sir? <laughs> West Craven's not perfect by any means. But how dare you? Yes. Oh, my God. Especially since you were using Scream tropes. Yes. And you have the whole speech about this, these are horror movie rules. Like, come on. So then we cut back to the Virgin. And so before we we left her, we saw that there was, you know, the person at the bottom of the stairs. She tripped when she got to the bottom of the stairs. And she has a line about, oh, what the fuck was that? Or whatever. What's the point of having a boyfriend when I'm down here tripping over when we cut back to her, she says that line again, I guess to remind us of where we were. And, it, and I was like, oh, okay, well, the, the pacing of the events is a little weird, I thought, at this point. <laughs> and then she gets attacked. Yes. So she starts screaming. She's tied up and being stripped. Yes. For no discernible reason. I, I wrote, now the virgin is being stripped as she screams, tied up, fucking hell. Yeah, I, I was really worried it was going to become a rape scene, but thank God it, it didn't. It didn't, but it's very, very close yes. to that. It's everything about a rape scene without an actual rape. Yes. Uh, and But I'm writing down, so wait, did the virgin get attacked before the whore then? What's happening and why? Why didn't they show that before the whore was attacked? 
because we were right there. They could have just showed it to us, her just getting it grabbed or whatever, and then cut away. Mm -hmm. And that would have made more sense in our brains. Instead, we're jumping around all over the place. We didn't see anything that would have spoiled anything else. So there was no reason, an actual reason, to feed us these things in order. It would have ramped up the tension better if all of a sudden a character that we liked got attacked and then we cut away and didn't know what was happening. But no, we cut away right before she's attacked. So there's no tension built up at all. By the time we come back to that scene, we get one line and then she's immediately attacked. Like, no tension whatsoever. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm saying, like, it's not that the idea of making this chronologically out of whack was a bad idea. It's just poorly executed well of course it is and it's only in the middle too it's only during these house scenes everything else happens chronologically <laughs> so they didn't even commit to that so at, at anyway meanwhile we get more of troit and i don't understand this the thing that i wrote uh-huh just some rando he sees that's naked oh okay no that's not troit that's noah noah is running back to the house that they found from the bar where he called Troit. He runs by a house with an open window. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And some random woman who in the credits is identified as Miss Cape Cod some year <laughs> is just, again, this is not the first, this is like the fourth or fifth time a woman is just standing in her underwear looking at herself in a mirror. And he's like, oh, what? I know my friends are dying, but a chick in underwear. <laughs> and he's like staring and she's not paying attention. And then her phone rings, yes. which causes her to turn towards the window and knows like, I better get out of here. And he runs away. And then she gets attacked yes. by one of these Because there's a villains. ton of them. All of a and sudden. And I guess all of a sudden they're just attacking people for no reason in yes. random houses. I guess they've been unleashed at this point, not explained. No. She gets thrown out of a window, too, but she's not the only one. Okay, now back to Troit, where they're slowly making their way out to his car. He sees a boat. They have a conversation about how he'd like to own a boat yes. someday. Then there's a commercial for Red Bull. Uh, they get in the car. I wrote, yeah. Was that a Red Bull ad? Yes, did it Red was. Bull pay them to say this? I think they did. Oh, you really love Red Bull, don't you? Because they find a bunch of cans in his car. And then he's like, what? It gives me wings, baby, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, we just watched a Red Bull ad in the middle of this movie. We did. You really like Red Bull, don't you? It gives me wings. That happened. That better be the reason they were able to afford something really cool. <laughs> so meanwhile, they're driving, and the girl, who obviously likes him a lot, or at least really wants to have sex with him. Shondi, yeah. He can't get the car started. And he says something about, come on, Betty. And she goes, oh, your car's name is Betty? And he goes, no. Like, what an asshole. And she looks genuinely sad. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, why are you wasting your beauty on this uh -huh. asshole? And this guy, or the girl, the, the, the date, I guess you could call her. I couldn't even be fucked to remember her name. And... She's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And Shonda's like, oh, just watch. He'll take care of it. He's so impressive. And he opens the hood and he gets it started. Oh, it's not impressive when he has a beat down, broke ass car in the first place. <laughs> anyway, we cut back to the house. the house and Billy and the blonde girl with the black underwear, including the bra. Are so not back Ava. on the couch. 
and the chair. Do they? No, I have written down. Wait, when did they ever get grabbed? They're just grabbed. They're they're all, like in media res. We're just in the middle of them being attacked. Oh, I thought we got like a second of film Maybe. with them being on and then being dragged out. Yeah, and then they get dragged outside. And what we're seeing outside, we pan up and we see Hor in the window in the shower looking down on them. And we realize, oh, this is what she saw. Okay, I we're jumping around in time. That. Totally fine. It's like the one good instance of the time travel jump. Again, not a not bad in concept, just bad in execution. Then all of a sudden, and this comes out of nowhere, the virgin is thrown through a window out of the front wait, of the house. Wait, you missed. You missed this. Billy says to the ditzy one. Oh, the they're going to light him on fire, so she runs away. He's like, get away, get away. And there's, he's being attacked by like three dudes, and she's just standing there going, what should I do? I can't leave you. And he's like, run, save yourself. And she's like, okay. And she turns and she runs, and nobody even tries yeah, to stop her. Cares. Even fucking <laughs> looks at her, just so we can see Billy get lit on fire yes. and crawl away and then die. Billy is dead. Yes. No more Billy. We knew Billy was going to die. Yes, he was the absolutely. Funny one. And then when no gets back to the house he's showing up just about now the virgin gets thrown out the front window thrown out the front window how she got up from the basement what happened to Grossom her Crudle did it no idea nothing just all of a sudden thrown out the front window oh we didn't say Grossom Crudle is the one that's assaulting the virgin yes I wrote, where's the killer? They're just talking. Because she gets tossed out the window. The window breaks. And now Noah is just like, oh, my God, sweetheart. Oh, I love you. Don't die. And there's this whole conversation. Grossom Crudel doesn't show himself whatsoever. We don't even get a glimpse of him in the doorway just standing out staring or nothing. He's just gone. Until Noah is ready, his girlfriend having now died, and he covers her up with the curtain now Grossom Crudel can show up now that they've had enough time to talk. And then they get into a fight. Well, somebody else shows up. Is it Ava or is it the blonde girl? I don't know if, if Ava ever makes it. Somebody shows up and says, ev because the, the guy says everyone's dead. And the person responds with everyone. And he says, I'm sorry. And then I have written down, so this must be a girl just looks scared and tormented. So it's a girl and she's supposed to look scared and tormented. And she does a lot of that in front of the camera because they love to do that stuff. And that's what I wrote. Yes, this movie is just the worst. Uh-huh. But then I wrote, well, that was awesome. So something must have happened. Well, okay, a couple of things could have happened here. So first of all, my next note is, and now Jason's dead. Oh, she kills somebody. He, She kills one of them. It's the blonde girl in the, in the underwear. She uses a rake and kills one of them. Yes. Oh, okay. So this is this is a whole thing. No. So you're you're a little bit out of order here because I do have a different note first, but it's okay because the movie's out of order. Mm -hmm. I say, and now Jason's dead, just like that, stabbed by Noah. So they get into a fight because Noah's girlfriend was killed by Grossom Crudel. I say Jason because it came hotter, and they fight. It's like a a couple of movements, and then all of a sudden, ugh, stabbed. And Noah's killed Grossom Crudel, and Grossom Crudel's just out. He's gone. He's dead. I guess that's all we're gonna get of him, which is a real bummer because he's like one of the two, or I guess technically three, really great personalities from these villains, and only just because of their looks. They don't have any actual personality. But then next. Ah, the blonde with the black underwear 
is getting attacked by either Matt or Mike Perfetuo, who are in the credits listed as Lucky and Ned, respectively. That's right. I remember those. And they're twins. You recognize them. They've been in other things. And so she's fighting one of them. And then she grabs a pitchfork. She's on the ground. She grabs a pitchfork. She puts it up in front of her. And then after she does so, Lucky or Ned jumps at her directly onto the pitchfork as if he didn't jump until the pitchfork was in his way. It didn't make any sense. I so thought wait, it was awesome. I wrote, so wait, he, well, because she was able to kill the guy on her own and it's good <laughs> because she's been panicky this whole thing. I wrote, so wait, he jumped at her after she put the pitchfork up. Why would he even do that if there wasn't a pitchfork? Why not just reach out at her? Why jump at her? It doesn't make any sense. And then as she's walking away from this dead guy, the sprinklers go off on her and startle her. And then we just stay on her as she's getting showered by the water from the sprinklers as if it's supposed to be sexy. Yes. And also kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. But it's really just an excuse to get her wet. And mm-hmm. it's totally ill-timed and ill-toned for it to be a joke. It's I just wrote, what the fuck? It's really bad. It's around this time that I wrote how much I hated this movie and what I was probably going to end up giving it. But I wrote, the only reason it isn't a zero is because the cinematography is annoying, but at least competent. (laughs) The effects are practical, which is really good. So it gets points for that too, but they're not really great. It seems out of necessity more than anything. Troit is driving the girls and has no idea where he's going. He gets lost And then he sees a bunch of guys, Fury Road Warriors, (laughs) in the road. And some, like, somebody says, yeah, that's probably not good. Yeah, they're creeping me the fuck out. And he's, and, like, he's like, should I hit them? What? No! (laughs) For all you know, that could just be regular human beings. Why why is that your go-to? Should I hit them? Yeah. But then all of a sudden, they're just on the car. Yes, then they attack them. That's when you hit these people, not before. So everyone gets all split up, and baby James Marsden, as I started to call him, Troit. Yes. He's just a baby James Marsden, totally. uh, Runs out into the marshes, kind of, which, wait a minute, don't they hate the marshes? Why would they follow him out there? Anyway. No. And he gets into a fight, and he's, like, fucking all these guys up. Meanwhile, the date and Shandi are back at the car, and they're getting attacked. They end up killing the date, and they destroy his car. No, because something, and we do not know what, we just see his car out of nowhere flip. We don't see what causes it to flip. It's not explained in the moment. It just flips, and it kills several of the bad guys and the date. By flipping over on top of them. So now we're just left with Troy, baby James Marsden, and Shandi. <laughs> who, by the way, I guess representation win with Shandi. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. So now they need to, like, walk to the place where they need to go. Because the car is upside down. And they end up making it to the house where Noah is after having just killed... Grossum Crudel. And he's immediately just like, what the fuck? Why did you call me? Why did you call the police? And I love the guy's response. Noah says, it wasn't this bad when I called you. 
Yes. Also, don't you guys have your cell phones? Noah called you on your cell phone. It's immediately after that that it's revealed that, oh, he left it in the car. Go back and get it! Then he, Noah tells him that his, his girlfriend is dead. And he says, well, if it makes you feel any better, my car flipped on this hot chick I was going to bang. And he says, no, it doesn't make me feel any fucking better, asshole. I was going to ask her to marry me, <laughs> fucking dick. So there's two things I forgot. Oh, she was going to be a doctor. She was going to save lives. <laughs> two things, two things we forgot about. When Troy was fighting and the car got flipped and everything. Okay, so, first of all, he fights the other twin, Matt or Mike, per Fatuo. And he fights him, and he kills him by also stabbing him in the gut with a pitchfork. So I have written down here, okay, I know that the guy who was stabbed with the pitchfork has a twin brother and that they're both in this movie. <laughs> But they've already established that they like to play with the order of events and the timeline here. So why would the average viewer not think that this is the same exact guy and then get really confused when he gets stabbed twice by a pitchfork? <laughs> this movie does nothing to help you with that <laughs> at all. And then at the end, when they're going to walk back to the house, he slaps Shandi on the ass. And oh, God, this is horrible. Shandi says, just because your girlfriend got crushed by a car doesn't mean you get to smack my ass. His response is, hey, I just saved your ass. I get to smack it whenever I want. Which, gross. Yeah. And then her response is, I hate it when you make sense. All right, now move that ass. Let's go. Just because your date got crushed by a car doesn't mean you can smack my ass. Hey, I just saved it. I can smack it whenever I want. I hate when you make sense. And this ends up, it's not yet, but it ends up being a running joke about how everyone hates it when Troy actually makes sense. And they constantly comment on that. Noah does it later, too. Oh, and God. it doesn't make sense no. at all. And she's just like, oh, you. <laughs> I, I hate it when you him. make sense. It's because she likes it. I understand, but it's really fucking gross. Yes, it is. Listen, Troy dies... He doesn't die. I wrote choice is dead. Okay, so they get attacked inside the house and he just gives up. He's looking for knives and shit and there's nothing. And then he reads something on a paper. He basically says, oh, fuck this. This isn't. And we're like, oh, he knows a secret. He knows something, right? And then he just decides to stop fighting. And he goes out to the balcony. And then he gets attacked and he falls off the balcony. We never learn what it is that he read. Never. Ever, ever, ever. And it's not explained why he reacted that way. He falls over the balcony. And we have never seen up to this point that there's a big cliff drop off on the backside of this house. But now apparently there is. And he falls like two, three stories down on this drop off and rolls down. And then he is alone having to fight these bad guys. And he wrecks shop. He gets an axe, and he starts killing people with an axe, and then he loses the axe and gets a shovel, and then he starts killing people with a shovel, and his shirt got ripped, and he's like, this was a custom shirt, or whatever, and... Oh, that's why I wrote, immediately after I wrote, oh, Troy's dead, <laughs> uh, I wrote, damn, that that's some makeup on that six-pack, because oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a fake-ass six-pack on this man, 
And here's some more RDR2 music with that fire in the background. Like, it felt like I was watching RDR2. And then, yeah, shovel to the face. Shovel to the face. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I like this shovel. And he walks away with the shovel. Doesn't bring the axe that now is free and hasn't been taken from him any longer. He could also take the axe and maybe give it to Noah if he likes the shovel so much. But no, he just leaves the fucking axe behind and the only weapon they have is this shovel. So they all realize that the people are afraid of the marsh, so they go to the marsh. I don't know who's yes. left at this point. I wrote down, that, by the way, during that fight, are they having a sword fight with an axe and a shovel? Yep. Because it's totally like a sword fight. Yep. A lightsaber duel or something. But now Troit's a fucking hero, and he he burns the house down, and then he fixes the noose that's been around his neck because they tossed a noose around his neck to to grab him and catch him. I did not see any of that. And he still has it around his neck as he walks away from the burning building that he caught on fire and he just kind of corrects it like it's a tie. Take the fucking noose off, man! (laughs) Anyway... I have my next note is, what did Troy read? Why did he give up only to then go ham? What happened? (laughs) It is not explained. And why should we care about Troy and Shandy's relationship when it was so confusing and ill-defined? Because then they start being like close and everything. Well, they told us from the get-go they wanted to have sex. They told us that from the from the date. But it was so confusing what the relationship between everyone was. Why was Shandi here on this date with him? It doesn't uh, because. He's why an does Shandi say that this girl is his girlfriend? It's it's not like it. It's uh. it was just on a date. Anyway, then they have a conversation about how Troy would use Princess Bride as pussy bait. Because he'd take people up to his dorm room, and it was like the only DVD he owned, and chicks love Princess Bride. And the reason they're talking about it is because going through the marshes is like going through the fire swamp, and that gives them talking about it. And it's like, really? Is now the time for this? Why are we having banter? And then he kills the last big one. And then they walk away, and then the marsh bubbles, and it's over. Can we stop talking about this now? I wrote, (laughs) what is this movie's tone? They keep cracking jokes in the middle of intense fights like it's Die Hard or Lethal Weapon, and it is not. And fucking finally we get to the monster, because they're afraid to go into the marsh because there's some sort of monster in there. There's something worse. Chris wants to keep talking about I do. No, it's important. It's the thing that tossed the car. But we never saw. It's the reason why the bad guys don't like going in the marsh. But they go into the marsh constantly. Fucking finally, we get to the monster. And we just get bubbles in the marsh. It pulls people under. And the only two left are Troit and Shandi. And they start to walk away. And then the bubbles are right underneath them. And then they go, oh, that can't be good. Or whatever. Oh, God. This can't be good. And then credits. That's the end. Yep. We don't get a beginning of this movie and we don't get an end to the movie. No. Also, during the credits, the actress who played Ava had her name was blurred out and her head was cropped off of the photo. And I don't know why. If you go to the IMDb page, she's not listed. She wanted her name taken off. I would, too. No, but they'll do, like, uncredited (laughs) in these things. But nope. Yeah, there's Troy, Shondi, Noah, Kylie, Desiree, Billy, Mia, Tara, 
Victoria Cougar, Miss Cape Cod 2013, Miss Cape Cod 2012, Nice Guy James the Barkeep, DD Kitty, Mesa McWeeky, Henry the Bartender, Lazy Dukes, Bumpy the Sailor, Jacob Roland Tate as himself, Craxious Gygus, The Cracks, Lucky and Ned, Dusty, Bernstein, Woodward, so Woodward and Bernstein are two of these guys, Battlesnake, and Grossum Crudel. These are the awesome credits that we get. Now, do you want to know why we don't see what happens before this and why we don't see what happens after this? Sure. Because Muck is a part one in a trilogy that, because they fuck with time, is actually the middle installment. And they are making Muck Chapter 1 as the sequel to this, but it's actually a prequel chronologically that shows how we got here in the first place. But since we already saw this one, we know exactly who's going to die and who's going to survive. So that's fucking stupid. And it's only going to lead up to when they immediately get attacked and then manage to escape. It is a dumb idea, poorly executed. Is it actually going to come out? Apparently they're working on it right now, Muck Chapter 1. Oh, no. Why? Who wants it? Nobody wants this. <laughs> Nobody wants this. It got funded and on why Kickstarter. Set, why so obviously people do want it. On St. Patrick's Day, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Literally, I think it's just because, just like you said about Lifeblood, it's like they put it on a day just so that if you do a random search, like, horror movies on St. On Patrick's Day. Like, you'll find this, and then you'll watch it. It's also maybe the holiday that's one of the big, biggest excuses for college students to go out together partying. Hardly! Sure it is. Spring break. Halloween. Too many people for spring break. <laughs> Halloween, it's too, it's too much of a saturated holiday. Fourth of July. No. St. Patrick's Day, literally the function of St. Patrick's Day in America is to get drunk. That is the function of St. Patrick's Day. New Year's Day. Eve. No. New Year's Eve is a, is a holiday for mistakes. St. Patrick's Day is a holiday for getting drunk. Cinco de Mayo. We have a friend. Oh, it's a friend we talked about in the last episode who's from Lithuania. And we went out with him for St. Patrick's Day years that. ago. Yes, that years and years ago. and years yeah. ago. And he said what he admires about <laughs> holidays in America is that we take other cultures' holidays and then co-opt them as an excuse to get drunk. It's true. And it's very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's muck. Do you have anything else to say about it before we get into the ratings? No. Okay. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Seven reviews. Zero. Zero percent. So that's why I'm like, why the fuck are they making another one? It has no official score on Metacritic since it only has two reviews and they require at least four reviews to build an average. But those reviews are a 10 from the LA Times who said, rather than evincing any expertise or affinity for the genre, Walsh's effort seems glib and hollow. And a zero from The Village Voice, who said, Muck pairs a repellent concept with amateurish dialogue, acting, editing, lighting, and pacing. Those two scores come out to an average of five. It, of course, does not have a cinema score, because it wasn't released in cinemas. Do you think it's overrated or underrated? At a zero? Yes. I'm going to say 
Underrated. Really? I'm going to give it a 6%. 6%. Because it did make me laugh a couple times. Yes. I liked Billy. And I got to say, I thought the timing thing was interesting. <laughs> I will give this a 5. Okay. That's what I wrote down. Oh, this is a 5 movie through and through. <laughs> Not quite terrible enough for a zero. No. But dangerously close. Very. Because there are a few things. Occasionally there's a line that makes you laugh in a delivery. Billy's delivery was occasionally good. Troit could even be funny sometimes. Yes. And he was kind of badass as the hero in a fun sort of shut your brain off way. <laughs> but that's how bad this movie is that these good parts about it only get it up to a five and a six for Kelsey and I. Yes. It, oh man, <laughs> it was really bad guys. Don't watch this movie. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't right. give them any reason to think they need to make a second one or a <laughs> third one. They just thought it, it's just an excuse. Starting a, a story in media res sounds like it could be clever, it could be good, but it's a trope that's relied on too much because people don't know how to start a story without a, a hook, like it's a James Bond movie or something like that, you know? And then they do the hook, the action stuff, and then they start the movie. It's like, well, it's just because you don't have any confidence in your storytelling abilities is what it really is. And that's all it is, is they didn't know how to write a beginning, they didn't know how to write an end, and they wrote it off as just, eh, we'll make it a trilogy, and then this is the middle one because we're doing fun stuff with time. I think that was only because they didn't know how to start or end this movie. Probably. And they're like, ah, we'll leave it for later. Anyway, that is our St. Patrick's Day episode with 1994's Leprechaun 2 and 2015's Muck, Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week, uh, we are going to continue with our sequels. Hooray! And also, going back to the first of a movie that we've already seen the sequel to. I'm trying to think of... Oh, are, are we watching Night of the Living Dead? We are. Yeah! We're going to watch <laughs> Night of the Living Dead and 28 Weeks Later. Okay. So zombie movies next week. Yes. Going back in time for one and going forward and finishing a, what do you call that? A duet? A duology? I guess. Anyway. So yeah, good. Awesome. Come back next week for some more zombie flicks. Until then, you can always reach us on our website, podcemetery.com, where you get a list of every episode we ever release gets posted there. Also, every single movie we've ever covered, if you want to just check that out chronologically and browse what movies we've covered, you can do that there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Pod Cemetery. We post stuff from when we edit on there, stuff that doesn't end up in the episode or corrections to things that we catch while we edit. So make sure you're following us there on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review us there. Five-star written reviews are the absolute biggest help you can do for us there. Share us with friends because that's even better. And you know what? Thank you all for listening in the GD first place. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Pour all you want. Pour all you can. You won't beat me because I'm a leprechaun. <laughs> I don't wanna be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't wanna be buried in a pet cemetery.
A curse be placed upon your seed, William O'Day. You may have saved your daughter, but on me next thousandth birthday, I'll stalk your fairest offspring and claim her as me bride. And then he laughs and says, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Is that the steam death? Maybe it is. somebody with steam. It might be. I don't remember why or how. (laughs) You just have steam death written down in your notes? I do. I just wrote steam death. (laughs) Now, I wrote it after a couple of things that also don't make any damn sense. Uh Uh-huh. Let's hear them. You're my hero. I'm 5,000. That sounds so familiar. What is that? At some point, he says, I'm not an elf or a dwarf. I'm a leprechaun. And then it says, now there is an idea, steam death. I have no idea what your notes mean. I'm not an elf or a dwarf. I'm a leprechaun. Cappuccino. What's a cappuccino? Is that a reference to something? It's from Free Guy. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Oh, God, you're right. Cappuccino. We can't say that. This did not happen. We saw Free Guy and it was really good. Anyway. You're skipping the part where he drives around in the go-kart after a cop. That's literally what I was just talking about. This is Troit in the uh, the car. They get stopped by the by the guys. Oh, yeah. That's what my notes mean. So, um. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? I love that moment when you realize you need last words. Now. Get ready for quiet time.